You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 152. Deidre Pujols, Strike Out Slavery. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing human potential. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. Sandy, so much of the time we're talking about partnership, we're talking about the innovative ways for all of us to address human trafficking. And I'm really excited about today's conversation because um, I know you're uh, bringing someone to us that's just uh, done a fabulous job in leadership uh, here in Orange County and in so many other places um, on these efforts. I, I can't wait for the conversation. Well, I'm very excited to have Deidre Pujols as our guest today. She is the CEO and founder of Open Gate International and so much more. So Didi, welcome to Ending Human Trafficking. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really honored that you guys have me on. Well, can you tell us just a little bit about you and how you got into fighting human trafficking and launching Open Gate International? Yeah, so a little bit about me. I've had another foundation called the Pujols Family Foundation since 2005. And that was inspired by my own daughter, who's 19, who has Down syndrome. And so we celebrate and advocate for families with Down syndrome. Um, and the headquarters are in St. Louis, where we used to, my husband and I used to play. My husband is Albert Pujols, who plays for the Angels. <laughs> yeah, that's kind game. of an incidental thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and But before he played for the Cardinals. And so we, um, we, we created our foundation in St. Louis, but we also have opened up a chapter out here in Orange County. And um, then the other part of that work we do is in the Dominican Republic, which is my husband's native country. And so we've been doing that since 2005. It's amazing and incredible. But uh, in February of last year, um, I just felt very drawn and uh, was compelled to go after the issues of human trafficking. And in um, really it started in March where I began to just go on this journey both here domestically as well as around the world, learning and studying the issues of human trafficking um, at all different levels and um, with different NGOs who exist. They span the globe doing work and, and they have strong efforts in helping in the fight against human trafficking. And when I came back from so many different places that I had been around the world, I began to wonder what you know, really what would God have me do with who I am, what I already have going on, uh, the busyness of my life, my gifts, my talents, just kind of taking all of who I am into account into how could I make a difference into the, um, to the issues of human trafficking. And the one thing was clear, and that was there is a problem. And it's global. It reaches everywhere. There's nowhere, you know, nowhere that it doesn't, doesn't go. And so... For Open Gate International, what I did was take my passions, which are culinary arts and entrepreneurship, and um, combine them. And so we've created 
the social enterprising is, is really my heart. So I created a culinary arts program that would take in vulnerable populations. Human trafficking is one of the populations that we serve, as well as the homeless population, the at-risk youth, people out of prison, just uh, people who really need a, a place to go with a blank slate that we can help build up and train and put back into our economic system. So that is what Open Gate International is. And I know you've had my dear friend and colleague, Judy Lamborn, on before. That's right. Um, we'll we'll is, put a link to Judy's interview, too. She told us all about yeah. the culinary art school. And I visited and had the best eclair I've ever had in my whole life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't try to show up all the time. Because I'd be putting on the pounds. They, <laughs> they, they, they make food every, every session, you know. So it's very hands-on which, like myself, that's how a lot of the students like to learn. Mm. Um, and then they, they get a great meal that they've made at the end, which is, is a good reward for them. What I saw at, at the Culinary Arts School is a real chef and students who were performing in a professional setting. And then when I went to the graduation and as they passed out their certificates, they gave an update um, and many of them already had jobs in great places, and others already had interviews in wonderful situations. And so it was just one of the most amazing vocational efforts I've seen anywhere. There's a real heart, a heart transformation that happens in these people from the first day that they come into class until the day that we graduate them. They have a a confidence and an identity where who they thought they were before they came in the class is not who they believe they are. And I'm such an advocate for, you know, teaching people that you, you will live what you believe. And a lot of people believe that they're scum of the earth or they're less than who God's made them to be. And I just don't, I don't believe that. And I know as a young person, I felt like that at some point in my life, but through our program with Judy, they're able to really get um, taught how to deal with certain life issues that maybe they were never taught before, certain emotional things that happen, how, you know, how to deal with anger, how to deal with conflict, how to deal with unforgiveness and things in your past that keep haunting you. So it's been a real game changer to just not raise up good people and teach them culinary arts, but to also teach them how to be better people so that wherever we get them employed, they'll be like a light in that place and they'll have a, a confidence about them. Yeah, it's been an incredible joy to watch Chef Brent and Judy master that, that class. And anybody that's listening, if you have uh, folks that you're working with, young people that would qualify for this, please go on the Open Gate International website. We'll have that link there so that you can find out how to refer students to the culinary arts vocational training. But let's move into your newest idea that I just love because it really is a strike against the demand side of human trafficking. So tell us what Strike Out Slavery is all about. Strike Out Slavery was another initiative that, you know, the Open Gate International is my passion, but the Strike Out Slavery is my platform. So being able to use my platform in baseball, both Albert and I, to talk about the issue, how to create better awareness and educate our community through a platform like baseball. 
So we, we initially went to Major League Baseball and wanted them to do something, but we didn't have anything for them to do. We just had a passion that, hey, you better start looking into this issue before it looks into you <laughs> and do something, you good. know, really. That's good. But, but because the issue is, you know, it's perplexing in the way of how do you create language that you put into a family-friendly atmosphere like a baseball game, but... The, the bottom line is there's millions of people filling baseball stadiums for 162 games a year plus. That is an incredible audience. And when people are watching baseball games, they really are kind of being forced to watch provocative hamburger commercials that come in between the innings. Why wouldn't they want to talk about something like this? Is it just because I'm not putting millions of dollars into advertising or media? So... If they can watch that, they should be able to hear what I'm saying because they're hearing it anyway and they're seeing it on their phones. Mm. So the angels sat down with myself and a council of people to discuss how and if they would be willing to allow us to come in with this you know, campaign, essentially, and, and let us help educate and create awareness around this issue. So they, they have been, and they've been amazing. We've created a whole day out of it on September 16th at the ballpark at the Angel Stadium. Um, when the gates open at 4 o'clock, from 4 to 6 p.m., we'll have a what we're calling a family-friendly festival, which will have nearly two dozen NGOs available on-site with interaction for the fans, information for parents. This is going to be really big if they want a safe environment to to get educate themselves as well as their kids on what these issues are and what is going on. There's going to be face painting, DJs, balloon guys. I mean, it's going to be really fun and friendly and safe to learn about this issue. And you'll get to see and meet all of these people who are even local, but their efforts span the globe to educate our community on what this is. And hopefully watch, watch the Angels win a baseball game. <laughs> yeah, that'll be and fun. Then after the baseball game, we have an incredible musical talent, Nick Jonas, who's going to come and join us for a uh, concert. He's going to perform a concert on the field after the fireworks that night. And he's going to help us continue the messaging. And Nick Jonas has a huge population of young girls and women that listen to his music. And they're the very ones that we want to educate. So Absolutely. We're, yeah, we're excited. For and I happen. I just want you to know, I've already got my tickets and our Vanguard University Live to Free Club. We've got tickets for them and we are going to be there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and, they, and people can go to strikeoutslavery.com to get tickets and a wristband to go on the field um, for the first thousand um, to be on the stage, you know, on the baseball field and at the stage uh, watching the concert. So that's kind of fun for anybody who might be next. A big fan. That's right. That's oh, I had I had some girls from Vanguard who grew up with Nick Jonas Nick in Jonas on the, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. So they're like, really? Oh my goodness! Of course I want to go. So you guys, you guys designed a great program. This is wonderful. Well, hopefully the first of many. Yes, and and the you know kudos to the Angels for being willing yeah. to be groundbreakers on this and yeah. address such a complex and delicate issue when we're talking about some of those risks that, that you know, when you take on an issue like this, you take on a lot of stuff that's pretty, pretty under underbelly stuff. 
Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, there's no nice way to think about human trafficking, but when we can share information and help in the prevention process, that's going to be one of our greatest weapons and tools to fight it is to to create prevention. You know, I'm going to go after the education side of it and how can we get inside every school in America to start bringing uh, curriculums that will teach. I, I would, I'm calling it like extra curriculum. So I'm not trying to add on top of any teacher's agenda or the school board's financial systems. Like I realize that our teachers who are amazing saints, you know, do an amazing job educating our kids. I would, I don't want to add anything on top of them, but what, what I do think needs to happen is we need to begin to get into our education systems the same way they come in with all the other issues that our country faces. And we go into schools and we educate people, you know, about um, drinking and driving and drugs and uh, stranger danger and all these things. It goes, it's just right up there with all of that. I totally agree with you. And I know our teachers are going to love hearing that because they do, we just keep piling more stuff on their plate. And the more the local community takes on this agenda and we all work together, uh, the more progress I think we're going to make in the area of prevention. Can you, can you speak a little bit to how the platform of baseball increases the ability to reach out to boys? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing that I think about all the time sitting in the stands. I've been into probably every stadium in our country and every dad has their son or daughter or family, you know? Mm. So one of the issues that was brought up with major league baseball is how do you have a father and a son who are just came to a game to enjoy each other in the day in the sport and all of a sudden they hear words like slavery or this or that when all they wanted to do was come and go to a game. Mm. But for me, my response is this. You, this is one game, first of all, that we've chosen. You know, It's not like you have to hear it every time you come to the park. But this is a safe place. We're giving you a good opportunity to educate yourself and to help educate your kids as a prevention and, and an education tool. This is an opportunity to find out about something you do not know so that you can educate yourself and your kids. And that's really the bottom line for me. It's not the the beer and the hot dog or the time with your kid. It's going to be valuable because what you're learning, what they're experiencing, what you're teaching them is going to go a long way because they already have access and exposure to it once they have access and exposure to the Internet, first of all but then also to peers and just everyday, you know, everyday experiences. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I think it's a great bonding time and it's a, it's a good, I'm a mom of five. So I'm talking to myself when I say that I would use these opportunities to educate my kids. And that's why I'm able to encourage others, other parents to do the same. And I think, I think you really hit on, on a key piece of how we do prevention with our own children, with our grandchildren, our nieces and nephews. Um, If there's not a a launch pad, a a place where this is a part of normal life, where you can create space for this conversation, then it turns into something very artificial and kids sit there and listen to you because you told them you have to sit down, I have something important to tell you. And, And then they walk away from it. 
but if it's a part of what they're doing, it changes the conversation and it stays with them and they remember, yeah, we were at a game and this is the first time I ever thought about dignity and the idea that people are slaves anywhere in the world. This is how how we begin to build the next generation that doesn't tolerate slavery in any form. Yeah. I mean, if we don't, if we don't speak up, it'll just stay there. And the bottom line for me in this whole issue was no, no matter what you want to call it, human trafficking, modern day slavery, whatever, anything that compromises the value of another human being is just not okay with me. And, and in and through these efforts, I believe that our greatest tool is going to be the prevention and the greatest preventers are parents, ourselves. You know, we can't depend on somebody else to teach our kids what we want them to know. We have to do it when it comes to, you know, these types of matters. And so I think for boys as well to get educated is just as important, especially for how they identify with women. A woman shouldn't look provocative trying to sell a hamburger in the middle of a, of a baseball game when I'm just trying to watch with my kids. You know, I want to watch my husband on TV, and now I'm having my son, my seven-year-old son will change the TV when those kind of commercials run across because they know mom taught them, like, hey, we don't look at women like that. You need to change it. And they know. So if it comes on, they change it. Nobody asks a question. They know that that's not how we look at women. And so, but I had, that was a, a teaching moment for them so that they understand my heart to say, no, we're not going to go buy a hamburger because a sexy gal is on the hood of a car. Like that, that's not what we do. And that's not how we think of her, you know? So it's an identity thing and a value thing. And this is just some of the stuff that I think working hands on with people, with victims, with survivors, with women on the street, I, I come, I come at them with, with dignity and with, uh, you know, trying to institute a new thought into them about who they are, about how God loves them and how he created them. What are their gifts, their talents, their passions, and their purposes for this time on earth? Uh, trying to teach people that they can't just sneak in. Nobody just sneaks in on earth. We're all intentional. And so helping people find their intent is, is really my heart's desire, my, my greatest business, no matter what I'm doing. And so that's really kind of like the fuel. Sorry, I kind of get passionate talking about it, but that's what fuels me when I know that there's a global crisis, millions of people perhaps entangled into this web of human trafficking, millions of people. But how do I not get distracted by the masses? How do I stay single-minded? And I think um, I heard somebody say this the other day about Mother Teresa, how when somebody asked her of her going to India to change, you know, there's millions of of starving homeless people. And she said, well, I'll just start with the first one, <laughs> you know? Yep. And I, I talk like that. Like I, I say, I think about the one lost sheep. If that one mattered so much that we were going to go throw a party after we find it, then so does every individual that I impact. And so I stay single person minded. I deal with one person at a time so that I can then help the greater number. But we never know the impact of our decisions and of, of our encouragement of our platforms, the ripple effect that it has. We may not even ever get to experience in our lifetimes. But to do nothing, to, you know, 
is just not okay. Everybody has something to offer, right? Absolutely. Uh, and if, it's, if somebody's not moved by human trafficking, I'm okay with that. That doesn't bother me. It's everybody has their own convictions of how to help and how to make a difference in this world. But to do nothing is just not okay. We have way too many gifts and talents and are going to live beneath our privilege if we don't get to exercise and serve somebody else with those gifts and talents. And that's just what I try to help people understand is like, you know, apathy is repulsive and it's very expensive. Like, let's go do something. Um, let's just not do anything. One statistic I happen to hear that I love and I share it with governments all over the world is, you know, for, for one person, for one woman that needs to be rehabilitated or for every $1 that goes into her, she creates $12 or generates $12 into her community. Wow. Now she's able to go to the grocery store. Now she's able to shop. That's just $1 into her, but creates $12 into society. So the problem is we cannot do anything and continue to use our government's money to assist. And I was on government funding. I'm a, I needed it one day, right? I had nothing. So I'm a big advocate that we have those things in our country. But if we don't have to keep somebody there and we can equip them, let's do that. Because if we can draw the, that woman or man into a, a trade, or a skill that puts them back into a job, then we're only helping our own economy out, and so are they. Putting people back into our economic system helps our communities. So it's so much more than just rescuing one person or reviving one person. No, you're restoring the whole person, and once the whole person's restored, what they do inside their community makes a bigger impact than just having them homeless or destitute or stuck on government assistance so there's there's things that people don't talk about in conversation that are part of a bigger picture, right? It's not just human trafficking or one rescued person. No, it's all the things that come after that um, into that one person. We talk about that a lot on on this show, that it's very complex and it involves people from so many different walks of life. And mm-hmm. this idea, it's not charity, it's investment, it, it yeah. comes back to us as a community. I love that emphasis in your approach with the vocational training and investment globally and here locally. So that's kudos to you. Okay, as we wind up here, I want to remind people that are listening to this this coming week that you can still get tickets by going to strikeoutslavery.com and show up at this very, there'll only be one first strikeout slavery and I've already got tickets. So um, if you don't get them and, and then secondly, go to open gate international to learn more about the focus on restoration and the investment literally in the future of, of young people. And then, Didi, if you could just give us one more challenge. Your challenge to parents was great. Your your passion is compelling and your platform um, inspires me because nobody is going to come out to a game that I'm in. I'm uh, blind in my left eye and I can't catch a ball. So, <laughs> so you know, having this platform to reach boys and young men and whole families baseball is an american sport this is this is just groundbreaking and i'm very excited so just give us one more wrap-up um statement for this podcast well first i thank you for having me and um and for your audience for listening 
but I would encourage everybody to to come out that day if you're if you're here locally and be a part of our movement, you know, and and be a part of educating. I think it's important that we begin to learn more about the issue and become active, finding out what we can do to help participate. The NGOs that exist, they're everywhere, and they need people like you and I to walk alongside them because you and I offer things that maybe they don't have access to yet or they don't have volunteers for yet, and they're doing the very best they can, you know, and the government is doing what they can, but nobody, no one person, no one group can do it by themselves. To see a real, true social transformation or revolution, it will take the efforts of NGOs, ministries, community, governments, all alike, all across the board, to be able to constitute change in this issue. And the bad guys aren't sitting around having meetings. They're just going out and they're killing it. And and I want to be able to reach those vulnerable populations before they do. And... <laughs> you know, help educate families to know what to look for in when they're, you know, being at any level when they're, when they're looking into this issue. So that's, that's my heart. You are singing my song because uh, I've heard you three times during this conversation talk about learning. And we say at the Global Center, study the issues, be a voice, make a difference. Because if you don't study first, if you don't learn about it, you might do some things that may not be the best practice. So thank you so much for your encouragement and your compelling passion and this amazing platform. Thank you, Dee, Dee for thank being on here. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Sandy, it's just always so exciting to see so many innovative things happening around this issue. I mean, the, this event at the at the Angel Stadium, it's going to be such I, a neat can't, you want to go? I'll get you a ticket. Uh, I, I, uh. I, I, I might. I might. I got to look at my calendar, see if I can do it. But I'd love to. Boy, it's uh, it's it's just one more way we're all working in partnership together. And we are really glad you have taken the time to join with us. And if you're looking for links on things we've mentioned in today's show, especially if you are interested in attending the event uh, this coming weekend, uh, go to endinghumantrafficking.org. Uh, and you'll have all the links there from today's conversation. Uh, as always, if you have a comment or question for us, you can email us. Send an email to feedback at endinghumantrafficking.org. You can also find more again at the endinghumantrafficking.org website. And Sandy, I'll see you again uh, in two weeks. All right. Thanks, Dave. Take care, everybody.